Happy New Year. Brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, peace, now from God our Father, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I find this just a tad bit ironic that Pastor Clayton called and asked me if I would be willing to preach on this particular Sunday. This is what I did every year while I was in the seminary. I would come home for the holiday, and the pastor would call me in my coming, and he'd say, you know, I'd like a rest with all that activity over Christmas. Will you please preach for me? And more often than not, the text that I've offered up for you, having been read out of Luke, was the text that was found on that particular Sunday. Now, I was remembering those days. Early on, I was a member, my wife and I were members at First Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mesa, Arizona. Pastor Howard Hahn was the pastor there. And uh, the first Christmas that I came there, and he invited me to preach, he sat down right below me, kind of where Pastor Clayton is right now. See, this is getting eerie. He could have sat, yeah, thank you. Well, that helps. Yeah, sure. Difference between Pastor Clayton and and Pastor Hahn on that particular Sunday, I think at least, was that Pastor Hahn had a tablet and a pencil. And as, as I preached, I noted that he was writing on his pad. And when the service was over with and folks had gone and I was in the sacristy undressing, he he came in and he said, Shields, do you realize that in your 15 minutes of preaching, you use the word, I think, 18 times? (laughs) And I said, actually, no, I didn't realize that. And he said, you did, and you come here. And he led me back up into the pulpit area and asked me to stand in front of the pulpit again. And he pointed down on the edge, the lower edge of the pulpit. And yes, there was taped there a piece of yellow paper with these words printed on it. When you are in this pulpit, you are 2,000 years old. And he said, if you ever stand up in my church again and say, I think, I'm going to stand up and say, Shields Smith, you think what? (laughs) So since I never wanted him to do that to me, I made sure they never again, not in his church or any church, use the words, I think. Because being 2,000 years old, I don't think, I know. There's a difference between thinking you know and knowing. Now, we humans, we think we know a lot of things. And in the process of feeling good about all that we think that we know, we forget that there are things that you don't need to think about. 
that are there right in front of your face, so that all you have to do is humbly bow before that and say, yes, Lord, I know. This is not a day about thinking. This is a day about knowing. Now, what is it that I know? I know, first of all, as we have already confessed, that I am a sinner. That every day I sin in thought and word and in deed. I know that there is within me this old Adam that will stick out his wretched, ugly head whenever he can so that he can laugh at the sovereign one and say, see, I got you today. I know, too, that because all of that is true, that the only way that I can combat that is to call upon the Spirit of God to come in and to renew me in that same mind and body and spirit so that the old Adam is drowned and the new Adam comes forth. And I know that when that new Adam comes forth, that there will be glory given to the God who is sovereign Lord, sovereign King, of the universe. Amen? Amen? Now, how do I know that God is sovereign Lord and sovereign King? Let me give you some examples of how I know. The Word of God says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. By the Spirit of God that is within me, I know that that is true. I don't question that. I went to university, and they questioned it. They said the world came into being by the random motion of electrons and neutrons and protons. Okay? Dear professor, where do the neutrons, electrons, and protons come from? I don't know. They're just there. But I will tell you this. Nothing happens with those unless there is energy pushing and moving them around in that random motion so that they somehow come together and create atoms, that create cells, that create human beings and all living matter. Who provides the random motion? I don't know. I know. God creates the electrons, the neutrons, and the protons, and the energy that creates human life. Well, yeah, but before that, there has to be an earth. How's the earth created? Well, there was dust. <laughs> there was dust. And... This dust was drawn in by gravity and it created this wonderful ball we call the earth. Well, where did the dust come from? 
I don't know. How about the gravity? I don't know. I know. Without God, sisters and brothers, there is no earth. There is no life of any kind. That means there is not who? You or me. We are created by the hands of a loving God who breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. That's when we became living beings. I know what the scriptures say. God who is sovereign created it all, created you, created me. I know that God after that painful event of the flood, promised that he would never again destroy the earth by water. And he put a rainbow in the sky to remind us all of that promise. I don't think God made a promise about that. Every time I look at a rainbow, I know he made that promise to me. I never need to fear being drowned by water unto death again. Amen? I know that there's a seed planted in the person of Abraham. A covenant secured with the birth of a son named Isaac to a woman who was 92 years of age. Even she laughed. She said, Lord, you got to be kidding me. At 92, you're going to give me a son? You've got to be kidding. Then God said, you just wait and see. And nine months later, the seed was born. In Isaac, who led to Jacob, who led to Judah, who led to Jesse, who led to David. And the subsequent 14 generations from David onto where we are today in the Word of God is what brings us who? Jesus Christ our Lord. A seed planted by a sovereign God whose desire was not that we should end our eternity, our lives here and move into an eternity of, of, of hell and of burning flames, but rather a heaven, glorious, glorious heaven where the King of kings and the Lord of lords is on his throne and we are around him every moment of every day giving him the glory that he deserves. Does he deserve glory? Yes, he deserves glory for all that he has and does continue to do. I know. I know that a young shepherd boy, David, was the only one who had, excuse me, the cojones to bring down Goliath. 
And you know where that strength and that power came from? I know. It came from God. The sovereign Lord, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. David, part of the seed that leads to your redemption and mine. I know that not even a fiery furnace can stop God from working his miracles. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into that fiery furnace. King looks in there to see what's going on. And they're standing with a fourth. Who's the fourth? The fourth is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The one we call Jesus. They came out of that fiery furnace unscathed, although a number of soldiers, even the ones who threw them into the furnace, were just gone like that. Have you seen the work of God? Daniel, lion's den, coming out unscathed. Esther, rising up in a foreign land. Prophet after prophet after prophet, including Isaiah, recognizing who the seed is and what the seed will do when he comes and when it is that he is going to come and how it is he is going to come. And he's going to come by the power of the sovereign Lord. In the time of Uzziah, I was in the temple, Isaiah said. And I saw the Lord the Lord of hosts, sitting high upon his throne, and his train filled the temple. We all know what a train is, right? It's not a bunch of cars flying an engine. It's what beautiful young ladies have behind them, right? When they get married. This one filled the temple. Think about this for just a second. Some women have trains, you know, that are theoretically so large that they need someone to walk behind and keep it straight and out of the way. Can you imagine how many servants it would have taken to have controlled, if they could, that train behind the sovereign Lord, the train that filled the temple? The smoke that was going on there, the angels that were flying around. Hallelujah, hallelujah, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah was so taken back by this and his sin that he says, Go away from me, go away from me. I'm a terrible and sinful person, and I am a part of a terrible and a sinful people. Go away from me. The sovereign Lord sends an angel with a coal out of the, out of the little hearth over there and touches his lips and says, you're cleansed. You're cleansed. Who now will go to my people? And Isaiah says what? Here am I. Send me. 
It's all part of the seed. We're part of the seed too. Born out of the sovereign Lord, he comes as he has today and he touches our lips with a coal and he says, who will go for me? And as a people, what do we do? We raise our hand and we say, here we are, send us. So that no one need burn in the fiery furnace. So that no one be lost to the kingdom of God. So that everyone have an opportunity to know the Lord of lords and the King of kings, the one we call Jesus. When the time was, was right, God came came to Mary, birthed a child by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that child laying in that major after the eighth day, mom and dad said, it's time to go. Time to go into the big city and do unto the Lord what is required of us because this is the first born of our sons. This is the sacred son. This is the one that we must hand over to God in the temple that God might use him as he will. And so they take him and they come into the temple and there is this man. The man sees them coming and he rushes over and he takes that child and he lifts up that child and he gives praise and honor to the God who has birthed that child into the world so that the world might be changed through him. I ask you a question. Do you think the temple was a busy place? I mean, do you think there were lots of people around or nobody around? I know. I don't think. Could have caught me there, but I know that there are always going to be people in the temple because the temple is really the most important place in all of Jerusalem. Even today it is. Four wars have been fought over who holds the ground that the temple sat on. The temple mount is a place where you have guards around to keep people away from one another so they don't get at one another. Why? Because of the sacred nature of the place, everybody came to that sacred place, including Mary and Joseph bringing their baby child. He moves through the crowd, pushes people away to get to Jesus. And he takes hold of him and lays him close to his heart. And that's where he begins to speak. Now I want you to listen with me again to these words. And we'll touch on some of these words as we go along. 
First of all, it says Lord. What's a Lord? A Lord is someone who rules over somebody else, right? Lord of the house. Lord of a kingdom. Lord of a town or a province or whatever. That's what a Lord is. They have a special place and it's not down with the people. It's above the people. Simeon acknowledges that the one he is holding in his hands is such a precious gift that the Lord that is above all things, creator of the universe, protector of David and of Daniel and of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, the prophet Isaiah, he knows, Lord, Lord, this is the one that I hold now. Now you are letting your servant depart in peace. You know, the actual Greek translation for this is, you can dismiss me now. You can dismiss me now. You're the Lord. I'm the servant. I don't move, Lord, until you tell me to move. So I'm ready now to be dismissed. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Seen it. He bears witness to it. Everything that he is doing in the middle of this temple, holding this child, is bearing witness to who and what this child is. This is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Savior of the universe. Even my dog, Shadow. For even my dog, Shadow, belongs to Jesus. He is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Right? And for the glory to your people Israel. You know that seed that we've been talking about goes first to who? Goes to the Jews. Goes to the people of Israel. The problem with the people of Israel was they thought that's where it ended. When the Messiah arrived, the Messiah would arrive for them. That they would have their, their power back. They would have the country back. They would have the temple back. They would have everything and they now would lord it over everybody else. Simeon who's been waiting by the power of the Holy Spirit, understands that this one that he is holding has come for a different reason. And that reason isn't just for the Jewish people. That person comes into the world for the world itself so that the world might be saved. Gentile and Jew alike. 
would be able to come into this kingdom and know the joy and the happiness and the peace of being one with the Creator God, the Sovereign Lord. You all know this. I think. I don't know your heart. God knows your heart. I am going to assume on one level at least that you know to the extent that you are here. You know to the extent that you did confess your sins and you hungered for the word of forgiveness. I know. Your faces are smiling and you're awake. Now, maybe that's because I'm yelling. See, that can be purposeful. But only God knows the depth of your reverence for him in your heart. And I'm here to tell you, because I know it's true myself, there's always room for more reverence. There's always room for more humility. There's always room for a deeper conviction of who we are without him and what we have become because of him. I know that there's room still for me to hope more than I hope. To be less governed by the things of the world and more by what God is doing in my life and in the lives of others. I know that the Spirit of God is in us so that the power is there for us to see what is there that is most important when it is standing right in front of us like Simeon did. I know that you know as I know that when push gets to shove the sovereign Lord, the King of Kings is the only one who's going to matter and make a difference. Amen? I may have told you this story, I may not have, but regardless I know that it fits. There was a man walking along a very deep cavern. And he wasn't paying attention. And in one of his steps, he missed the ground and he fell off down into this cavern. And as he was falling, he reached out and he grabbed a root sticking out of the side of the wall of that huge cavern. And he looked around and he looked down and he saw what was going to happen to him if the root should break or if he couldn't hold on to that root. 
And so in desperation, he cries with all that his lungs can muster, is there anyone up there to help me? And there came a voice. I am God. Sovereign God. Let go. Let go and I will catch you. And there's this pause. And then these words. Is there anyone else up there? Grace found in Jesus Christ tells me not to look for anyone else. Not my spouse, not my children, not my governor, state legislator or president. I can let go by the grace of God in Jesus Christ and know that he will catch me as he will catch you. And when he does, he will cradle us in his arms and does as Simeon did the baby Jesus, close to his heart, close to his heart, that we might know in our heart of hearts that because he is who he is and has done what he has done, suffering, pain, death, resurrection, and ascension with the hope of coming again. That my life and your life is secure. Not just for today or tomorrow, but when all of this ends, for the door through which we would pass unto everlasting life. I know that everything that I have told you this morning cannot and does not happen if Jesus is not King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But I can also tell you that because he is and has done, you can be assured that life eternal belongs to you. The inheritance born out of the seed belongs to you. Not just to the Jew, but to the Gentile. And you are a part of that. We together can celebrate in this new year with whatever comes during this new year. And we don't know, it hasn't started very well, has it? Got a new variant. You know, my family, my, my, my brother and his family, they had a party Christmas Eve instead of going to church. 
if I was conspiratorial, I might say that was God's blessing on them, that all 19 of them are down with coronavirus. All 19 of them. It spread like wildfire through that family. Thankfully, God has blessed them with protection, and they're all going to be just fine. But I am going to remind him where that healing came from, and maybe he needs to find himself where? Here. In the presence of the God who loves him, cradles him in the arms, and only says, Martin, come to me. Come and see my job to challenge him to come and see. Amen? Because remember what we say, here am I, send me. It might be your daughter or son. It might be a brother or a sister. It could be a parent. Certainly it could be a neighbor or someone you work with. Everybody can use more of what God has to give. There's always room for more because God can fill every nook and cranny and does as the Spirit works in us and allows us to do that. We have a sovereign Lord, one we can count on, never need to think about. We know what He has done. Thanks be to God, that God, for giving that to us. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard and keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. And thank you.